Welcome to the Future Learning Design Podcast. What does your workplace need? Do they need empathetic leaders or do they need yeah. leaders who don't make sole decisions top down? But it's about giving them that coaching and that guiding to understand yeah. like your workplace is changing. I like this design thinking standpoint because the users as a teacher, as a student, as an administrator, as a parent, whatever, people can deal more with understanding like how do we change the experience or the feelings of these people. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm very happy today to be speaking with Anne Fisher, who is a learning leader and innovator turned UX designer, putting her skills to use in intentionally redesigning better learning experiences for users, whether they are parents, teachers, students, or colleagues in school. Anne has two decades of experience in designing and leading for change and adaptability in schools in Germany, France, Switzerland, Dubai, and the US. Anne is an expert in design thinking and agile methodologies, and she puts these to good use in her current role as the assistant principal and curriculum coordinator at Form School in the Berlin Süd campus. Anne is also the co-founder of Women Ed Germany with Angeline Au. She earned a Bachelor of Arts from the University of North Carolina and a Master of Science from the London School of Economics. You can follow Anne on Twitter at edtechanne, or connect with her on LinkedIn or via email. All of the links are in the show notes. Hi. Hello. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. All right, awesome. So just to start off with then, what was it that attracted you to Agile and design thinking, uh, using those in part of your role in schools? What mostly attracted me was, in, in the, the short sense, was just listening to what was happening in the workplace. I have a lot of friends, family members, contacts that don't work in education. And so what I found really interesting is about what they were doing in their workforces, how they were tackling problems and, you know, with things such as Scrum or just general Agile methodologies. My dad worked for Toyota for many, many years. So uh, the idea yeah, of yeah. clean and, and even yeah. Kanban is not something that's not unfamiliar in my world. I think it probably started out really when my husband was, they were implementing Scrum in his company. Um, he works in, in IT for a bank. And the way he was just describing it, I thought, wow, this could be really something for schools. And yeah. so I kind of started to do a bit more research and was also personally frustrated. That's not really necessarily the word I want to use, but a bit down with what was going on in education. So I'd been through teacher's college. I had yeah been told to do these things and you know here yeah. I was five years in and I was thinking like is this the rest of my life yeah. and when we think about the history of education as we know it you kind of come back to this idea of the industrial revolution and the idea that school was kind of a two birds with one stone thing mm. it was child minding but then yeah. also preparing people for the workforce yeah. and a lot of these practices like sitting in rows and you know working individually in a work or this is the yeah. job that you're going to have to do that was what our parents and our grandparents needed for this traditional workplace. And these practices are unfortunately still in a lot of schools today. When you're talking about that, you meaning in Germany, in Berlin, where you're working now, or was that exactly. experience from other countries as well? In Germany, where I work now, absolutely. I worked in the French system, but I was living and working in Switzerland, but it was a French school. And that yeah. was even more prominent than in Germany, I would argue. This idea of the teacher standing up there is this all-knowing guru. And we actually sit here and talk about grades for each student and it was kind of argued so here we are standing up yeah. here and saying 
well, this child should just get this because this is what they received on their test or whatever. And so moving forward to the 21st century, the idea of internet revolution, AI, yeah. automation of jobs, you yeah. know, we as teachers, it's not satisfactory for us to be teaching students to individually work on, on, on their goals. And nor is it satisfactory for us to say, if you focus on this, you will be successful in, in life. You know, agile and design thinking methodologies are popping up all over the workplaces. Um, who's preparing people for that? That was kind of my, my aha moment. How, why am I sitting here worried about the test? Because at the end of the day, in, in many systems, you need to pass the test in order to take your, get your leaving certs, anything. And I was really kind of thinking, hold on. So we're telling them, okay, be individualistic and learn, learn, learn and pass these tests. But then you're going to have to go out into the real world and know yeah. all of these skills. You're going to have to understand all of a sudden what collaboration is and what yeah. design thinking is and being agile. And then you're going to actually have to be flexible. Yeah. So that kind of was this aha moment for me. And of course, not one person can, can change the world. But then I started thinking like, hey, you know, we should be starting backwards. So mm. companies saying what they need, universities, secondary schools and primary schools. No, it's true. And it, I mean, ironically, you're talking about the industrial model and the influence of that, but actually the close connection between the evolution of the business world and professional workplace with the school somehow just kind of disassociated. And schools haven't evolved in the same way that business and organizational functioning have over the years. I don't know, there hasn't been the compulsion to move and evolve and, and innovate because of the changing environment, perhaps. But there is definitely this clear disconnect between the real world and the world of education. I would also reflect on the fact that the working world, if we want to label that, has been moving too fast for us to gather enough research to understand how the education system is not fitting. Absolutely. I mean, I've certainly seen an increasing number of people who are in schools, in leadership roles or in curriculum design roles, trying to embed these practices just to implement and then reflect and learn from practical experience. Then we can grow the understanding and the research of how these things are functioning. So for you, what's been the practical implications in your school in Berlin or previously? What practical use have things like Scrum or Kanban been? So when I decided to do that and knew that I was going to come up against a lot of resistance because Changing the mindset of people in general is hard, but I would say even more so for teachers because we are taught so much to be individualistic. This is your classroom. Yeah. This is your management. This is your yeah. grades. This is your results. And so I was cautious in the approach that I was taking and I tried to be an inclusive leader. So I try not to be too much of the top down. I tried to get a lot of opinions from, from, from the other mm. people from the bottom up. And so what I started on was a pilot program last year with a few colleagues in my school. So that was actually quite successful, and we presented on it last year at the, the ECIS conference in oh, Lisbon great. about how it was really working. And I've seen a lot more increasing interest this year in teachers because I think so. You have the three categories: you have the ones who just dive right in and already do anything, not even agile, just whatever sure. you say. Yeah. And you have the ones who are comfortable with the concept but not necessarily secure in themselves to understand, like, okay, I can actually implement this, right? Yeah. And then you have the the resistors. My goal was never to say, like, we're doing this because it would never really have worked. So starting with those ready to dive into the deep end and then now, you know, with those who are feeling a bit more confident in the projects where it's kind of spread out to several colleagues and we've seen really, really interesting results with Good. it. And so what is it specifically? It, so the students who were involved in the biggest agile project last year um, were in fifth grade and you had one classroom that was agile and one classroom that was not agile. And what you've seen then is the ones who were agile, they were more able to get to work on problems and projects yeah. and topics and more able to dive right into the deep end without yeah. actually really knowing what they were doing. Yeah. There was not this like, oh, but dear teacher, you didn't tell me exactly what to do. Um, and what we've actually seen is that they've been able to just, in general, solve 
more problems, both inside the classroom as well as, as outside within the social atmosphere um, as right. well. So that's actually been really successful because I've, for me, it's not just about the academics, it's about the whole child. No, definitely. And helping them with the mindset around it, you know, which is not about academics, it's about a way of thinking and working. Yeah, and one of actually the, the surprising things for them was the idea of not failing, actually, but taking reflection and yeah. feedback and actually turning it into something. Okay. And that was a big success for them. And actually, you could see a lot with them. They almost it was too much. They almost wanted to give too much feedback to their yes. classmates yeah. and colleagues. But I love that mind shift of them, you know, because in the traditional German system, it is really about the grades. It is really about the individual. Yeah. And I loved seeing them say, okay, just because there was some, one call it negative feedback, doesn't mean that I failed. It actually means mm. that I have a chance to like work on it and improve yeah. it. And it was really, really, it's a great mind shift and it's Good. to have in general. That's great. So were you using specific frameworks like Scrum boards within that? We were using Scrum uh, over a project of six to eight weeks. Um, we were doing within two week increments within the Scrum. Yeah. We yeah. had the, um, a Kanban uh, board that we were using and a lot of other um, agile methodologies. So we did a lot of this kind of starfish feedback, what worked, what didn't. So there's kind of looking at a starfish and then within each of the triangles that the starfish arms kind of yeah. make you kind of talked yeah. about what worked what didn't work what can we improve on as a team we set team agreements we talked about later on where we could grow what we could throw and yeah. what didn't grow basically so we spent a lot of times on a lot of a lot of different things and they really caught on to the kanban board they absolutely loved Brilliant. it. and they were doing that in smaller groups or were they one one board for the whole class no, they were doing it in smaller groups of teams. Yeah. Originally, we started out before we got into the project, we started out with individual Kanbans for a small writing assignment where they needed to yes. kind of research them. So they could understand like, what actually is a task? What is considered a task? Yeah, you know, sure. just finish my project. That, that's not really a task, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that work planning is part of the learning, right? I mean, in terms exactly. of looking at the backlog and trying to divide it up into these chunks, which you can then manage, that's a huge piece of learning for young people when they're given a large project by a teacher. Absolutely. And for the kids as well, to understand who was going to be doing it. So we had kind of checks and balances and who was going to be doing what of the project and who was going to be more or less bringing their team up to date on this aspect of the yeah. project. And that is really, really important. I would say they were actually easily more able to come up with the backlog and the tasks, like break them down into actual real tasks, but actually to understand who was responsible for what and to take that responsibility, but then also to be able to communicate with each other about what was working and what wasn't working. That I found really interesting. You know, you have somebody who said, oh, I want to be the group manager or whatever yeah. jobs we had assigned them. And then later on, after realizing like, actually, I, I don't like this job. This is a lot of responsibility. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I thought I could just tell people what to do, but at the end, yeah, I couldn't. So that's a yeah. really good thing for them from a personality perspective. Yeah, yeah brilliant. And mm -hmm. did, did you get a good response from Lisbon at the ECIS conference? I did have a lot of response from people who are interested in us coming and yeah. talking about it. Yeah. Um, oh, great. I, I think that one of the biggest problems is this concept. So like I said, I kind of stumbled across it because I was outside of the world of people who are in education, right? Yeah. And so... It was something that was just come kind of clear for me. And in Berlin, Berlin is a very kind of IT city and yeah. startup. Yeah. Everybody's doing agile. Everybody's doing design thinking. Yeah. Everybody has a Kanban at some point in their in their career. <laughs> so, so for me, it was kind of normal. But I mean, I used to live in Switzerland. That's much more of a traditional school setting, even in the international schools. I think that's for many schools really hard. Like when, when somebody comes back and says to their leader, hey, this is really interesting. Then to say like, uh-huh, uh what, what yeah. is agile? Yeah. Like, what, what, Kanban like what is even any of that stuff yeah but it, it's also the sense that that it's not just that idea of just doing agile because it's the latest tool that you can use to change the way that we're doing teaching and learning you know it is it's a bigger conversation to try and engage Absolutely. with the idea of a mindset 
rather than just, hey, let's do this thing and then we'll see how it exactly. impacts. And I think that many people, you know, as you just said, are kind of wary of, of the latest fad. I mean, when I mm. um, yeah, talk about sure. 10, 10 years ago, when iPads came out, it was like every school needed to have a one-to-one iPad until they yeah. realized like, actually there was no real, real yeah. advance in learning behind that. And so I think and imagine that some schools are more resistant to kind of yeah. diving into that change. But when it's, when it's successfully implemented, it works actually really, really well. Just to kind of move it then up to the level of the organization, do you see impacts that this kind of mindset, both the design thinking and the agile, can have at the organizational level in terms of the way that the organization works and the way that teachers collaborate together, plan together, the way that leadership involving people in decision making and trying to get past some of those rigid hierarchies that persist in schools? Absolutely. And um, one of the things that I also believe in is we implement a lot of projects, which I'll talk about in just a minute, but implementing this agile methodology. And we do a lot of design thinking methodology in the administration level. And what I really like, especially for the teachers, especially for those who are, who are wary or just not really sure what it's all about, is getting them involved in these projects at a outside the classroom level, let's call it yeah. that. It's really, really important for them because then they can understand the concepts. They can understand how yeah. it's working. So then they are then more willing and able to implement it into their own classroom. So absolutely, it was a really important thing for me to be able to implement this uh, into the administration level, because like I said, in Germany, it's very, very hierarchical, but people are also understanding that they're at a loss for something. They don't really know what where education is really going. And I think it's a great way to kind of open up their mindset. I always joke where I say in Germany, um, the first reaction, so I'm, I'm American, right? And so we're always sure. like, oh, how can I help? And you know, what can I do? <laughs> Yeah. Right. And in Germany, it's when you call to ask somebody something, it's kind of like, yeah. no, we can't do that. And then you yeah. kind of ask a little bit further and it's, well, maybe yeah. I can help you. And then after when you keep going, it's like, well, actually, yeah, yeah we can, we can work yeah. this problem together. It's, and so my point with that is that by implementing these agile methodologies and these design thinking methodologies at the administration level, that kind of, no, this would never work comes down to, oh, actually, yeah. this actually, am yeah. I successful the first yeah. time? It actually will go to the next project. Yeah. Yeah. So that's actually really, really important for us. Like I said, we implement a lot of design thinking methodology um, in the administration level. Yeah. And that for me is really important because design thinking really focuses on the emotions and the experiences of the user. That is not to be underestimated in a high pressured environment such as schools. No, you're right. And so it's really great for school leaders. And I came across the book Reinventing Organizations from Frederic yeah. Laloux. I yeah, yeah. You know. yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, exactly. And when I, when I started reading that, I thought, okay, you know, schools are so typically orange and very hierarchical, but there's actually a way. I mean, I yeah. can't change the system, but there is definitely a way of getting my, my team in, involved. And that's what I say. I liked, I like this design thinking um, standpoint because the users, both as a teacher, as a student, as an administrator, as a parent, whatever, could really get the users and the empathy behind that. And then people can deal more with understanding, like, how do we change the experience or the feelings of these people? Just saying, okay, get a Kanban and some sticky notes. That can yeah. seem very hard. Yeah. And when you when you go back to what you were saying earlier about this Taylorist industrial model of schools, that doesn't feel great for the teachers either, right? I mean, it's not like it's a really wonderful kind of humanizing experience for the teachers and it's just not quite right for the students. It's not really right for anybody. I mean, you know, it's not necessarily an enriching workplace full of meaning and purpose for individuals. No, especially in modern society where we are searching for meaning and purpose, you know, these cold, harsh ways that schools are being done. That's why you often lead to burnout. Yeah, so I mean, that's quite a good segue because you've been quite involved in looking at well-being in schools, as I understand, with the well-being survey that you've been putting out. Exactly. Did that come out of it was a real issue for you in the schools you'd seen? Probably 
definitely a personal journey, you know, at some point in every teacher's life, they're dissatisfied. Is it the school? Is it the kids? Is it a bad year? What is it? There's so many different factors behind yeah. it. And so when I came into administration, I really was empathizing with with the staff members and yeah. kind of to see like, okay, where are they frustrated? And I have a lot of teachers, I mean, who come, our administration is divided up into four people and we have these trust people. So I have 15 people that's come into my office on a weekly basis and just talk to me about whatever they want to talk about. Often it was just about stressful situations or, or situations that yeah. were both personal and professional that were not necessarily helping them move forward in their career yeah. or engage with the kids. Yeah, so this is where I guess I started out with that. I was working with Dr. Edgar Powell, yeah. who is trying to kind of figure out where what, what's going on with teachers. Sure. And we're all aware that more and more teachers are leaving the workforce due to burnout, increasing demands, summative testing pressure, you know, and, and teachers are number four in the world for burnout. I mean, and yeah. that is on top of the fact that less and less people are enrolling in this profession yeah, for various reasons, I'm sure. sure. But here you have younger people who only know the world of the internet and only know the world of flexibility and then being told like, no, you have to be in this rigid system. I can imagine yeah. that's probably also not helping them. But um, I think administration is also feeling pressure. They're yeah. unsure, they don't know where to go. I had a CEO at my school once tell me that the internet revolution is a fad and that we'll all be fatigued from it in a few years time and we'll go back yeah. to pen and paper. There you go. <laughs> what, what, what am I supposed to do with that? What's right? that? Like, Clinging on to security somehow. Like, it'll all be okay again. Don't worry. Yeah, that's the problem is when, when a lot of teachers, they, they are driving for change and they also yeah. feel like they're not really being listened to. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. And that's yeah. what kind of leads to the frustration. Yeah. So the survey, the wellbeing survey that you're using, what are you hoping to do with the results of that? What we're hoping to do is kind of create a, a, a program. So um, we're not really sure, like in some sort of digital form or an online course, um, hoping to just find out actually that comes back down to the user empathy. Like what are the actual real problems? Because yeah. the leader might say like, oh, people are frustrated with kids. People are actually really frustrated with the standardized testing, right? Yeah. You know, so actually what okay. we're just trying to do with that, is, first of all, gather the information to find out what problems can we really define? Like what yeah. is the actual definition? Problem. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. So it's like the first stage of your design thinking cycle. Exactly. Yeah. It's gathering that observation and then that, yes. that empathy and then just defining the actual problem. Yeah, great. And one of the other aspects of your, your work is working with the Women Ed Network, right? Yeah. What was the origins of that for you? Again, did that come out of a, a perception of a clear problem or is it a personal experience for you? So Angeline Au, who is also yeah. part of the Women of Germany, um, yeah. she was the one who contacted me. I didn't even really have it on the radar. And I must say that in my career, I've been lucky enough so far to never come across biases or at least if I did I kind of just took it with a grain of salt and, and sure. moved on. yeah um, but um, no she kind of came and approached me and said we need to you know really start this up in Germany and what really got me was my friends or my colleagues or just people in general basically to empower them that's my whole point as a mm. leader I'm not yeah. there to tell you actually what to do I'm more of your coach and how, how to empower yourself yeah. and that's kind of also what it comes down to the well-being of a person you can't really sure. define that it's in a box and say if you meditate you're going to be happy you yeah. know that's my whole point about the empowerment and then I started really thinking about some women who have had more negative experiences than I have or who are victims to more likability biases or or self-victimizing themselves and so that yeah. was what really made it for me where I said you know what Ange okay let's let's get this up and running yeah. that's where it is for me is to empower women you know in the UK they haven't originally started because they um, had less women in leadership positions than men even though you're in a woman dominated field exactly yeah right in Germany, it's a bit of a different situation because especially in the primary school, you have way less men, I would say, working in primary schools yeah. in Germany in general than in England. Right. And so 
it's a bit yeah. of a different situation, but for yeah. us, so you have more women in leadership. That's my point. But for us, it's sure. really about empowering the teachers. What do you want to do? Do you want to lead a, an after school theater group, but you don't know how to approach yeah. your, your school about it? Like, or do you want to figure yeah. out how to get more confidence in the classroom? Or do you want to be able to go and speak at conferences about things? And that's, what's so interesting for me about women ed in general is it started in England with this kind of thing. And that's one of the core values, but everybody needs to kind of check their own country. You, you know, if we really wanted to talk about issues here, we would talk more about maybe women of minorities becoming leaders yeah. versus men versus women. Yeah, but sure. um, what I'm saying, like, we really need to having a look at what people in your areas need and maybe they don't want to be school leaders and that's actually fine, but I'm there to help them be a leader in other ways. Yeah. I was interested in this strap line of 10% braver. What, does that come into the, the ethos and the, the approach of the, the Women Ed Network? Yeah, always. It always does. I mean, when we have, when we host events, so we've hosted five to six events at Germany-wide this year and we're hoping to put an annual conference in May. We'll see how that goes. And basically the idea each time is with 10% Braver is just to talk about certain things. We've talked about confidence. We've talked about gender pay gaps. We've talked yeah. about being mindful uh, in, in general. We had a session on yeah. mindfulness and, in general. And basically the idea behind 10% Braver is just to give them the tools to understand how to be brave enough to make choices that they want to make. Yeah. And it's not always about being that like, okay, I need to lose weight, right? So then all of a sudden on Monday morning, you stop eating, you start exercising like crazy and stuff like that. Yeah. That's like 150%, right? But being more successful in that sense yeah. for losing weight, which is called that is to take it in slow increments, to cut out sugar or whatever. And that's the whole idea about 10% mm. bravery. And a more sustainable change in a way, right? When it's exactly. like small steps, iterations, incremental development. Absolutely. You don't all of a sudden have to say like, I'm going to be a school leader. Maybe your first yeah. step is to be a, a year group leader. <laughs> That's what you need to be doing is focusing on what does your workplace need? Do they need empathetic leaders or do they need yeah. leaders who make sole decisions top down and I, I would argue probably the modern workforce doesn't yeah. need that then whoever is in the leadership position it's not about kicking them out and putting a woman in there and putting somebody with more feminine traits that's not what it's about but it's about giving them the coaching and that guiding to understand yeah. like this is yeah. the workforce your your workplace is changing these are what yeah. the qualities are how yeah. can you implement them? so what do i want my school to look like what are my mm. what are again taking that that feedback and that empathy from your school staff what do you actually want to hear what do you mm. want to do and so i guess the point is is like adapting what we should be focusing on to our modern workplace what goals need to be achieved what products need to be delivered what kind of workforce do we need to be having and what kind of competencies do they need for themselves yeah. and what kind of competencies sure. do we need here for that i mean a very concrete example here when we talk about agile or scrum is jeff sutherland and ken schwab i would call them um, the yeah. developers of scrum both men but yeah. a lot of the qualities of Agile and Scrum are very yeah. feminine. You know, yeah. Collaboration, leading without powers, you're accepting to your team, yeah. multitasking. There's a lot of feminine qualities within Absolutely. that as well. Yeah. I would really argue for people to embrace both. I mean, I do think that there's more going to be more of a shift towards these feminine-like qualities. And I do believe more women should be in leadership. But it doesn't yeah. mean that men should be like then disregarded no absolutely but it's also i mean for me personally as a male who has been in leadership positions i find it useful as a way to coach and enable men in leadership positions to begin to self-reflect and identify their own qualities whether you call them masculine feminine or not maybe that's completely unhelpful but actually just for them to be able to begin to self-reflect because i think that mindset that we were talking about it has to come in the leadership 
if an organization is going to move towards more agile ways of working. And, exactly. And, and if you've got men in top executive positions who are just still fully in the, in the mode of, you know, what I say goes, command, control, they're clinging on for dear life, let's say, to the, the last stand as Brené Brown calls it, I mean, that's a bit of a challenge for everybody shifting towards these ways of working that you're describing. So I think for me, it it maybe provides a vocabulary for some people in leadership to self-reflect and think about it of the different traits that we're, we're trying to dial up or dial down in order to make this the shift. So yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. Yep, exactly. And the design thinking where we talk about wicked problems yeah. and that is, yeah. there is more and more coming in this world and exactly. um, education is a great example of that. And you need definitely people who have more of these traits of, of flexibility and be able to yeah. collaborate instead yeah. of just command. Oh, brilliant. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate your time okay. and I'd love to stay in touch just in terms of building the network around these things. Absolutely. Yes. All right. Thanks. Thank Thanks so much. Cheers. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to continue the dialogues with our guests, with us on our blog or on social media, or within your own networks.